You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series, Food for Thought, in which we unpack some of the big ideas about food and food systems in order to raise the conversation level and stimulate lively discussions to find the way forward together. This is a special show. It is our first show airing nationally on the Curious Cast podcast platform and all other major podcast platforms. Joining us today is Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor at the Rotman Institute of Philosophy at Western University. Welcome, Benjamin. Uh, Thank you, Peggy. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure to have you here today, Benjamin. There's so much going on in the world with food, uh, global food systems. We want to support our farmers. There's a lot of talk in Canada about food programming and so much more. I'm delighted to have a philosopher on the show. And well, at a point in time, everyone knew what that was. I think in these days, it's wonderful to have a bit of a refresher. You're a philosopher. What do philosophers do, Benjamin? I think philosophy is best understood as a form of disciplined and critical reflection. Um, it's reflection, not just in the sense that we're sitting back and meditating, uh, though that does sometimes go on. Uh, it's reflection in that there are certain sorts of deep reflective conversations going on. And it's discipline because we use the, the techniques of logic and, uh, and reason, uh, rational argument to explore the, the topics that we're engaged with. So the discipline is really important. That's mainly what we're trained upon is how to uh, how to explore those things using reason um, and reason alone, not using our emotions or other sorts of uh, attitudes that we might bring to the conversation. Okay, so really important in today's world that arrival at your own worldview, the joy is in the journey and not the destination, our worldview is always shaping uh, and evolving. So that's very helpful, I think, in today's food dialogue. So you had talked about disciplined reflection, discipline, um, seeking answers to questions. How do you do that in a little bit more detailed description of your work? One of the things that uh, we're trained on is how to reflect upon the questions that we're asking. Oftentimes, the answers that we arrive at are um, determined or at least nudged by the way we formulate the questions. So philosophers will um, study what the questions are and look at different ways of framing the question. uh, And sometimes different answers will arise in that way. Um, uh, The other way in which philosophers tend tend to do this is that we engage in what we call conceptual possibilities. So what that is, is that we like to gauge the boundaries of our ideas and our concepts, um, concepts that we use to live our life by, concepts that we, uh, that, that we use in thinking about food, for example. Um, and engaging those boundaries and discovering those boundaries, um, we use our reason to try to decide what crosses the boundary. We'll engage in what's called uh, thought experiments, where we construct scenarios that are designed to hold certain concepts in, in place, while we vary other concepts to see when boundaries get crossed and when things uh, no longer are possible or feasible. One of the things about philosophy that I think everyone's heard of uh, is that uh, we don't seem to ever answer any questions. And it's not right that we don't answer the questions. The problem is we got too many answers to the questions. <laughs> um, 
it's a uh, uh, it's a hard to discern which answer is the pre preferred one or the one that we ought to to adopt. And so philosophers are really comfortable with that kind of uh, that kind of uh, uh, lack of certainty. Obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this show is going to be um, on the podcast platform, Curious Cast and many others, that listeners could go back and replay and pause everything that you just said <laughs> and try it for themselves. So as you were speaking, I was thinking, okay, school food. So number one, you said asking the questions and how are the questions framed? So for illustration today, we could go, should we have a universal school food program in Canada. And we, my answer to that is yes. I'm not actually philosophizing or accountable to anybody right now in terms of uh, answering that. So I'll just give my answer, which is yes. But asking that question, but so interesting is the follow-up part that you had said is looking at conceptual boundaries. Should it be um, two snacks, one meal, uh, hot in the, you know, all these things. And what does that mean? When do we, when do we meet the boundaries of that, whether that's the fiscal boundaries, whether that's the logistics boundaries, whether that's the human resources, whatever it is. So we can apply this, what philosophers do every day in any of the questions that we want to answer. We talk about protecting farmland. We talk about uh, global food sovereignty. We could take any one of these topics and apply your method. And that's just fantastic. So I do encourage listeners to go back, pick a question and apply apply the uh, way in which philosophers answer questions that Benjamin just shared with us. Thank you so much for that. So you teach a course on food and philosophy at Western University through the Rotman School of Philosophy. And um, what made you decide to offer such a course, Benjamin? So I've been, I've been teaching this course since 2013. It seemed like this is a really good way to focus in on what I call values, social values in particular. Um, it's an unusual or a different kind of uh, a way of framing the question is maybe the best way to put it. Um, students are oftentimes surprised by the connection between uh, food and our, and our food system and social values that we all have and personal values that, that intersect with those social values. And so it was really, a, it was really meant to be a way to focus on what I call food values and bring that conversation forward because it's a conversation that we haven't really been having as philosophers. Back in 2011, 2012, there wasn't really a discipline called philosophy of food. This, this wasn't a conversation that was being had more publicly either. And so bringing that kind of critical reflection on what values pervade our food system and how do they uh, affect our values as individuals was, was the impetus for this course. And it's proved to be um, very popular with the students. A lot of students really take it to heart. I'm sure they do. And, and thank goodness that you did offer that. As you were speaking, I, I was thinking, we have three disciplines, science, social science, and the humanities. And we, we see no shortage of studies and statistics, and they have their place, and it's really important. And we have a lot of emotional appeals. We've got the social sciences talking about various different things in the food dialogue today. But this notion of the humanities, the, the social values, our personal values, um, what it is to live a good life, what 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 it is to be a human being. I think that that sounds like a fabulous course, and I wish I was uh, able to take it myself. So that leads me to my next question, um, which you've helped already answer in, in part, which is, in today's uh, food space, there's just so much information and a lot of it's contradictory and it often changes. And this can be really overwhelming for people who are trying to arrive at their food values or more importantly, um, purchase food that they enjoy 
that they love and that nourishes their body. So how could philosophy help individuals make sense of all of this information? Well, that's a great question. I approach it from the standpoint of philosophy as a way of life. Um, the idea behind this is that um, philosophy is uh, integral to uh, living a good life or living a, a fully human life. Um, and we all uh, ought to be philosophical. Uh, I think we all can be philosophical, but uh, by bringing in the, the training and the discipline from the philosophical perspective, it can help us to be better at those natural inclinations and help us to hone some of those skills. One of the things that philosophy has long dealt with is how to kind of live without this kind of certainty. Um, as I mentioned before, philosophers tend to uh, like that there are lots of different answers and tend to recognize that it's not about choosing a particular answer, but it's about the, as you put it earlier, the journey to get to that answer. And so there's a lot of techniques within philosophy to help us deal with these situations. And they go back to the ancient world. The ancient world is where philosophy as a, as a way of life uh, was 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 first practiced. So philosophy can really be very beneficial for helping households to make sense of it. I think that's such an important point that you talked about the ancient times. These these philosophy and arriving at our values, what we should and want to do um, with our food system, with what we eat, those types of things. We thought about it across time and place. And one of the things in an earlier conversation that you told me that I have never forgotten and that I have cited you and quoted to many, many other people is follow the arguments, whatever it is, until the logic breaks for you. So whatever it is, when does it no longer make sense to me? So whether you're critically analyzing, and you've mentioned that several times in the show already, is this critical analysis that when you're finding your own answers, you hear something about a food or part of the food system or what have you, that you look at who's making those claims. Um, how did they find out? Are there any biases present? Is there anything that just doesn't make sense? You know, so the logic that breaks when we speak of certain lifestyles or, or diet patterns that we want to look more holistically than maybe just one study or what um, one person has said. So that is so powerful. Follow the argument until the logic breaks for you. I love that. So that leads me to the next part before we go to break, which is there's a lot happening in food policy right now. And and essentially, policies are philosophies. We don't necessarily think about them. We think of policy as law, the rules, things we're supposed to do, the direction of society. But really, they are basically philosophies about a good life, which you mentioned earlier. How do we tease out the central claims in any policy that's being presented to us? I think what happens is that a lot of these policies are really about values. Um, uh, we have scientists in the room, we have lawyers in the room, we have uh, economists in the room. We oftentimes don't have philosophers in the room who are there to point out the values and they're studying, analyze the values and raise that really difficult question as, are these the right values that we should have? Are these the right kinds of values we want to uh, build into our food system? An individual can start asking those kinds of questions, those very philosophical questions. Again, start following the logic until it breaks. Uh, you've got to make a decision for yourself as to what kind of values you want to see society building. And I think that's where where the, the, the real value of philosophy as a way of life can, can bear on food policy issues. Uh, we oftentimes have uh, the scientists that are talking about the technological side of, of the food system at the table and wanting to uh, grow more food. Uh, but that's not the same thing as saying that this is the kind of food that we want to see growing. 
Uh, philosophers need to be there to uh, see your way through these these conflicting value claims. I couldn't agree more. And again, balancing out the dialogue across the three disciplines, science, social science, and the humanities. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful dialogue before our break. After the break, we'll hear more from Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor, Rotman Institute of Philosophy at the Western University about optimism and food. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking about philosophy and food with Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor Rotman Institute of Philosophy at Western University. Benjamin, there's a lot of farmers and families uh, across this nation and across the world doing amazing work. Why is it important to human life and to us to seek out optimism? Um, I think it's really important to be optimistic because uh, whatever we're... Uh, in life or in society, we have to seek out the good. Without optimism, um, we're not motivated to seek it out. Uh, if we're pessimistic, if we don't think it's possible to solve these problems, uh, then we kind of give up. So we all have to be optimistic if we're going to try to find out what is the good in the food system and what is the food system that we want to and that we deserve to develop and have. I couldn't agree with you more. I was thinking about. Um, how much more I see now that I'm looking for something. Um, what is going on in the crops? I don't just drive through the country when I'm getting to another town-to-town -town destination. I'm looking to see, well, what state are the crops at? And everything that went behind all of that for it to be there. And so I find I'm a little bit more uh, a participant and, and not just the effect of all the things that I do want to change. Disconnecting in in some way and being active is it, it does help us continue to be able to, like you say, have a good life. So to take it a little bit closer to home in today's world, why do you think it's important for friends and families to philosophize together in general, but about food too? You know, we've been living under a kind of social economic experiment for the last 40 or 50 years. Um, it's one that uh, I think is shown to be uh, problematic in many ways, ways that weren't uh, originally seen to be problematic. Um, and we need to have a genuine conversation. We as a people need to have a genuine conversation about is this the right the right kind of system that we want to to have? Um we can see in a lot of cases that it's getting harder and harder for farmers to um, make a make a living farming. Um, it's getting harder and harder for uh, food and ag workers to uh, have a good life, to um, have a livable wage. Food insecurity has been on the rise, and yet food is at the cheapest point in the history of the world. There's some serious disconnect there. We have the best fed uh, population in the world, and yet malnutrition is on the rise. You know, uh, and I think that we need to have a conversation about what exactly is that disconnect, and how exactly we can solve this. Um, 
And I think the only way that we're going to do this is if we start having that discussion about these food values. I'm thinking back to the very first answer you gave um, in the show, Benjamin, which is this conceptual boundary piece. What could be possible, you know, based on all the food globally that we make, we have this value to reduce hunger. And when we look at the food loss and waste, um, we could we could really do something about that. So what can we do? Not just how are we the effect, but how do we demonstrate our agency? So whether that's um, helping out in our local communities, whether that's purchasing from organizations or farmers and um, brands whose values align with your own and who are um, deeply in, engaged in corporate social responsibility. Burn Bray Farms is a sponsor of this show. It, they make public their corporate social responsibility um, report. It is amazing. Uh, and so um, finding our own agency in the things that we want and really helping us arrive at that with philosophizing with our family and friends. Amazing. Benjamin, you've been philosophizing in general, but also about food for a while. What's one of your happiest experiences philosophizing and teaching about food? I think, I think um, every term uh, when I teach philosophy of food, and the kind of light bulb goes off for the students is uh, probably the most rewarding uh, uh, experience that I have. Class is set up to take the students on a journey um, and a journey of self-discovery. Uh, and usually um, about a month, six weeks into the term, light bulbs start to go off for the students and they start to connect all the pieces that have been laid out before them in the previous few weeks. Uh, and uh, that's what I think I enjoy the most. Part of the um, discussion and discovery and classes like yours is, is a in the role of imagination, what could be possible? And then how do we make that happen once we know what we want? Um, I love that your class um, helps people arrive at their viewpoint. And earlier in the show, we talked about your advice to follow the the line arguments logic until it breaks for you. And this is an arrival at a viewpoint that helps make you be an active agent and a participant in the food system in, in your own life. So it's why we take a humanities approach to this show, philosophy, history, creativity. And why is it so important to include these ways of understanding the world? Or what might we get if we expand these ways of understanding the world in our food dialogue today, Benjamin? So um, I think one of the things that uh, we find ourselves uh, when we begin to focus in on the values that pervade the food system now is that uh, it's not sustainable in this broader sense. And becoming a more sustainable eater um, will help us to become uh, develop more of a sustainable food system. And that, I think, is really well, what, uh, what I hope that we could expect. Um, uh, sustainable, uh, in particular in the social, uh, in the social realm. Right. I think there's a lot lot more challenges there than in the environmental realm, um, uh, than even in the economic realm, although there are significant challenges in those as well. Philosophy is for everyone, but it's not something done by the ancients. It's not something done by, um, you know, people with a certain knowledge or, or what have you. It is for everybody. So with that, this show is called Food for the Future. And what can be done through philosophy to create a brighter way forward, Benjamin? One of the key things is to change the questions that we're asking. Um, we keep asking questions about how we can get more, how we can generate more food. I think we want to be asking us asking ourselves, what kind of food system do we deserve? What kind of food system do the 9 million deserve? Um, and how do we go about creating that food system? So I think philosophy of food 
can help us to reframe the questions. The food system uh, has been kind of growing uh, without philosophers at the table. I think it's time that philosophers come to the table. It's not that people don't want to have a better food system. People want to have a better food system, but uh, we don't quite realize uh, what's possible and why it's so important that it be possible. And that's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to help to uh, frame that conversation. Wonderful. And I agree. Philosophers at the table. I, I'm not sure if pun was intended. Um, <laughs> and and include all three disciplines in the discussion. Science, social science, absolutely critical, but also humanities, which includes philosophers. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for your insight, really an inspiration. It's such a pleasure to have had you on the show. Thank you, Peggy. It's been wonderful to be here. A sheer pleasure for me always. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about philosophy, food, and hope with Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor, Rotman Institute of Philosophy at Western University. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? Do you think philosophy is important in today's food conversations? If so, what questions would you like to ask? And then go and answer. Something to do? Visit philosophy as a way of life to look for more methods and ideas to integrate philosophy into your life. Next week on the show, we return to the series, Waste Not. We'll be discussing some ways that communities can come together to reduce waste and help the environment. Starting July 1st, find us on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.